Having a Gas is the podcast that chats to the great and the good of the creative industries. And in particular, finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for commercials, for cooking to, for dancing to, f***ing to, and more. Today, I'm having a gas with Sean Thompson, one of three founding creative directors at Who, What, Why. Sean made his name with a number of game-changing ads for Honda in the early 2000s with Wyden and Kennedy, before setting up his own agency in 2017. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm keeping well. Uh, I'm back in the studio. I mean, uh, I, didn't re- I never really left because it's only a uh, few minutes, well, half an hour's walk from my place, so, uh, and uh, there's no one else in the building. But uh, how have you been coping? What, what's been the timeline since March 20th? Oh, it's been wise? crazy. It's been busy, 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 busy. We're really busy, um, which is great, actually. It kind of means that we're, I mean, you know, pitching and doing stuff for our existing clients. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, strange times, but in some ways, we, you know, we're kind of driving through. We've got everyone still working and, you know, had a lot of people have had to furlough people, but we're, we're hard at it. And, you know, I'll make continue touch wood. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, hopefully that's because you've done enough now to have enough client confidence that it keeps the lights on, you know. And um, I'm hoping today we're going to go through some of the work that's, uh, you know, helped you earn that reputation. Um, And so obviously we talked a little bit before this about a a rough structure. We're going to talk about some campaigns you've run. But um, first of all, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about about who, what, why, about why you set it up with Matt and Ben um, and Marissa and where, where, where the impetus came from to go out of the shelter of a big agency. Well, I guess we... You know, we've we've worked at all sorts of different size agencies. You know, and uh, um, you know, we 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 sort of always like to break the rules. That was always a remit that all all of us had um, in terms of creative work and in terms of you know, meant <laughs> I suppose in a way, way of life as well. But but the thing is, is that you know, we're three creatives, so it's quite unusual to have three creative people set up a you know a company. Um, you know, and it was kind of scorned at some point when we first started, but, you know, I think people have got to understand that, you know, we are creative business people, you know, and, uh, it kind of works really well actually like that because, um, you know, people come to us specifically for certain things, you know, and, and, and we're finding that as creatives driving a business, it's going to be really kind of right now. It's kind of what people are looking for because you need creative work that's going to stand out, you know cut through yeah. all that clutter out there. Yes. So, yeah. And that's, and that's, that's, that's one of the things I like about all the, the work we're going to talk about here, but um, it wasn't until reading about who, what, why, and about you guys setting up, th- as you said, three exec creative directors that um, the, the history of how agencies normally set up became clear to me. I didn't know that normally it's, you know, an A, M and a V or a B, B and an H. It's a planner, account yeah. handler and creative. So like, why is that, why was that the preferred method and, and how has who, what, why been able to, you know, not do it that way and still be successful? Well, I mean, we never started, we didn't think we were going to just be the three of us and, and no one else, you know, okay. I mean, we've got, got account handling and all of that all in place. Yeah. Uh, it's just the founders are all creative. Um, and it's kind of a signal really. Um, and you know, we wouldn't be dumb enough not to do that. You know, you, you need those people that are essential, you know? 
Um, so we've got some great, you know, we've got some great hires. We've got Joe Dan, who's uh, our uh, strategy partner, um, Charles Fairclough, who is kind of uh, running all the account handling side of stuff. So we've got some really great people. We've got Marissa doing, uh, the, you know, the um, managing partner. So, yeah, we, we, it's kind of a good structure, we think. You know, it, it feels like we can, you know, really deliver on everything, uh, but we didn't set up in the, in the traditional way, which is, yeah, three people um, who all do different things. Yeah. Um, so what was it that brought the three of you together, you know, Sean, Matt, and Ben? Like, what was there something specific campaigns you'd worked on together where you thought this is a good match? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've known each other for years, actually, really, really a long time. And uh, we first started working together at um, Simon's Palmer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an agency, great agency back in the day. Um, you know, we, we kind of got to know each other then. Um, we kind of moved on, you know, when we emerged with TVWA. And we kind of started to sort of like the work each of us were doing. Uh, I used to work with Ros Sinclair, who was my uh, creative write- partner, um, you know, and then I became a sort of writer, writer's art director myself after that. But basically, you know, we, we all got along really well. And, and, and we, when we went to uh, Widen and Kennedy, we started to sort of do work together, you know, uh, as a three sometimes. And, you know, we got some really good work out. You know, we did the uh, Honda every day, you know, um, with all the fast cuts. I don't know if you remember that one. And, um, you know, that there was some really, really good stuff there. And I, I think, you know, we've been working on and on down through the years. Um, I went to Amsterdam and kind of like, you know, was there for about eight years and then came back and started and got in contact with Matt again and uh, Ben. And we just talked about it and talked about it. Um, and then in the end we thought, you know, let this, it's, it's, it'd be foolish not to do this, you know, because, um, you know, we've got a really good core with, with the three of us. And we, we know what we want and we know how each other works and, We've always wanted to do it. So, you know, why not? So that's really how we got together. Yeah. Tell me about your personal history. When did you get the, the bug, not did the creative thing? What, what made you realize you're a creative person and wanted to do that with your life? But then specifically, when did you get into advertising and think this is the path for me? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do remember as a little kid, my, my dad's friend was in advertising. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought he was quite cool and, uh, you know, he had a nice car. I don't know. It wasn't that, not that I've got a nice car, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I still haven't, I still haven't done that. Um, but yeah, you know, and uh, I was always fascinated with advertising. I, I guess my, I remember I had a book uh, as a kid, which was kind of a book full of creative agencies and their work. I don't know how I got it. I don't know who gave it to me. It may have been the, my dad's friend, actually, who gave it to me. And I sort of poured over that. And I remember sort of learning about advertising kind of quite young and uh, sort of being into it. And I always loved all the old stuff, you know, like, um, you know, John Webster's uh, ads, you know, and, you know, Krista Bear and all that stuff. And, and I never knew who did them, you know, as a kid. But I always remember thinking, oh, these are great. And they were like, like watching cartoons sometimes, you know, they were... They were just—they were more entertaining than the kids' programs. So, so I kind of got into it really, and uh, I've always had a love for film, you know, um, as a as a kid and growing up. So I suppose it kind of uh, started to just formulate in my mind that that's what I wanted to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's good that you mentioned uh, 
being more entertained by some of the commercials than some of the actual content made as entertainment. Because without wanting to blow smoke, and I mean that, uh, a lot of the stuff that we're going to look at today, um, I actually think are just enjoyable pieces of content, you know. So I watched Gif Gaff, Big Swim, and at the big climax moment, big reveal of Mars, actually made my hair stand up on end. And oh, wow. It felt, you know, it feels like watching a, a little film, a little watercolor that also sells a product. And, you know, I always have this theory that the audience will appreciate good creative work, even if they're not particularly interested in what's being sold to them, but they'll keep that in mind. And um, I don't know, I suppose, I, I don't want to ask too broad a question, but I just wanted to know how it is that how it is you can how it is that you get over the line making something that's basically good film content for the brand as opposed to i don't know exactly uh, feeling more more beholden to the 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 call to action and you know sac- making creative sacrifices for the benefit of the sales message is that does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely um i, I guess i mean it's, it is entertainment i mean you've got to think of it that way because you've got to cut through i mean you're on an entertainment channel or you're in an entertainment channels. Um, and you know, you've, you've got to stand out, but I think it's about emotion. You know, I've always felt that. I think you've got to get like, I mean, you saying that about the hairs back on the back of your neck standing up. That's an amazing compliment because that's something we're trying to achieve. You know, we're trying to get the emotional pull of, 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 um, the idea, you know, um, and it's, it's through the idea, the music, um, you know, um, loads of other stuff casting everything else but but you know you've really got to have a good solid idea to start with but but then you've got to be able to tell a story in such a way so you really feel this this kind of driving thing you know so you can't just tell a story in a flat way you've got to have movement in it you know yeah and story structure is really really important i mean to anyone starting out you know you've got to study story structure to be able to deliver you know all sorts of content um in a in a in a, in a way that's going to make people feel something and it could be feeling, I mean, you don't have to make them laugh or you, you can make them laugh. You can make them cry. You can do all sorts, you know, um, you've got to feel something like it's been worth watching it. You know, the, the, yeah. um, the investment's been worth it, you know, otherwise they're going to switch off anyway. So, um, yeah, know. I think that that's, that does summarize what, what I've been yeah feeling and what I'm trying to get at. It's like people have to, if they don't, if the creative isn't good, they are just, I think the audience is just going to feel like their attention has been invaded. And, you know, if it has to be invaded by something they will ha- appreciate having seen. Uh, I remember when Cadbury's Gorilla came out and everyone was talking about it because it was just solid entertainment. Turn that to school error. <laughs> that is Joe, our uh, head of strategy. Oh, right. Strategy partner, I keep saying head of strategy. Um, <laughs> I'll chat to her later. Yes. Sorry for that. All good. Um, so, should we should we have a look at some of the work and then go into some detail? Here's a little song for anyone who's ever hated in the key of grrr. Can hate be good? Can hate be great? Can hate be good? Can hate be great? Can hate be something we don't hate? We'd like to know why it is so that certain diesels must be slow and thwack and thrum and pong and hum and clatter clat. 
need something, change something, hate something, change something, make something better. Oh, isn't it just bliss when a diesel goes like this? Sing it like you hate it. Hate something, change something, hate something, change something, make something better. Now, I'll, uh, I'll be honest with you. When I um, first saw that, half the way through, I was like, wait, are we sure we're watching the right advert here? Because, um, uh, well, this is, this is a while ago. When was this made? 2005 or something like that, yeah. So a while ago. And... Um, I'm familiar with the, the the sort of the brand image that that you you know gave to Honda with the warm engineering with Cog and things like that, and I just couldn't see it in this. I was like, "Are we sure this isn't a Pixar short film before the movie?" <laughs> so the first question, really, about that is, um, how did you sell that idea across? How did you get them to go with something that I mean, it shows the product in a way. It shows the engine and shows the benefit of the engine, which sounds like dead silent almost but um it doesn't seem like it's on on brand with them you know it seems like it's it's not it doesn't look like engineering it doesn't look like automobile so how do you get that over the line with the client i mean yeah it's interesting i mean it was it was all from the dna of what we were doing you know with with honda you know Mm -hmm. as in um you know the warm engineering thing i mean i guess um it's just we, we started with the truth we started with what they we're talking about, you know, which was, you know, they hated diesel engines. They didn't like them. They thought they were dirty and smelly. And, and they said to Shiro, uh, sorry, I um, uh, can't remember his name now, but he, he said, Nagahiro, his name was the engineer. Um, he said, I don't, I'll only ever design, I hate diesel engines. I'll only ever design one if I completely can change it, you know, and start again. Yeah. So that was kind of like, that's them. That's coming. So it's coming directly from them. It's not like we we went out there and made it all up. Right. Um, it's fr- you know you've got to dig deep and find find the truth from what what they're doing and just tell the truth in a really entertaining way. And that's that's really what we were trying to do. You know. Um, so it, it does. I mean, it might feel different. And I think we talked a lot about kind of like trying to keep surprising people all the time. You know, like I mean, Cog had just been done. You know, Matt and Ben and everyone. It was kind of great 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 landmark piece of work and you know we had to sort of do another one that was going to deliver equally as a landmark piece of work but be completely different i mean yes. we could have done cog too you know i mean lots of brands have a hit and they just copy and do the next one but honda isn't like that and it's testament to them they they, they bought it and i remember we presented it and uh, there was a very high up japanese um man in the room and he just said I absolutely love this. I think we'd have to make this, you know, and it was kind of goosebumps, you know, we, 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 we just, we, we, we just felt right. Yeah. Talk to us yeah. about the, um, the writing and the recording of the song. How did that come about? Was it a jam session? Did you write the lyrics or? Well, yeah, we, we wrote the lyrics. Uh, it was a jam. We, you know, I mean, Michael and, and, um, Richard Russell, Michael Russoff, uh, Michael's a great musician. Um, you know, really, really talented. And, um, 
you know, he, he kind of, we worked with him, but he, you know, he, he got the song down and we, we wrote the lyrics. And I remember actually, funny enough, I've got a, an album cover here. Um, I'm hold up. Ah. Songs, songs in the Key of Life. Amazing. Yeah. And that was uh, an album cover that, um, you know, I remember, I kept on thinking about as in the title of that. Yeah. Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder. And, you know, the key of Gurr. I always thought loved that line song, you know, songs in the key of life. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of wrote a line, um, you know, the opening line, which was, uh, here's a little song for anyone who's ever hated in the key of girl. And, you know, that kind of came directly from, from that. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing was, um, you know, that what I always thought was really great was, um, I love Monty, I'm a great fan of Monty Python and, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Eric Idle, you know, is terrific, you know, always look on the bright side of life. And I think that's where the whistling came from, you know, the, yeah. uh, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, and, and the writing in that song is so brilliant, you know, like life's a bit of shit when you, you look, look at, at it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so simple yet brilliant. And I think we wanted to get that kind of simplicity and stupidity into the words, you know, can it be good? Can it be great? Can it be good? Can it be great? Can it be something we don't, you know, you don't hate, you know, and uh, that was what we were trying to achieve. And I think, you know, it was kind of um, trying to get that innocence in there that he has, you know, and uh, and that's what we were trying to do, you know. It's a good comparison as well with the Eric Idle thing because they're literally singing the most positive song you could come up with, literally on the cross. There's no yes. better metaphor yeah. than that. Well, I love that. You know, when you smash, I mean, that's a great example of it, you know smashing together happiness and 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 death mm. <laughs> life and death um and i think great work does that and i think what we, what's great you know hate is a really bad word i mean we're seeing it in the states right now you know mm -hmm. lots of hate hate's a terrible thing yeah uh but we thought why can't we use it for positivity you know if you use your hate for good and so we were saying you know channel your hate i hate diesel engines so channel it into making something good yes hate something change something so that's really where it all came from yeah that's really good as well because um, what, one of the criticisms of uh, just what would you say expressing hate is I'm going to destroy something and then not bother to build anything in its place. But I like this. It's like take that hate, channel it into we hate the de the the messy, noisy diesel engine, and we're going to channel that hate into well, let's turn it into something that we would love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And so did that come from this the, the engineer that you spoke about? It's like I hate diesel engines. Yes. The only way I'll do yeah. is I'll change it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all started from him, and um, you know, uh, and he did. He completely redesigned it and started again and create something clean and fresh and new. And and um, we wanted to convey that, you know, with a clean, fresh, new looking bit commercial. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's move on to the impossible dream. Yeah. Try 
really good <laughs> so yeah t- just i mean before we go into questions just give me free associate what what you know what can you tell me about that experience um it was i mean a huge undertaking um the music was really key really important actually uh that's an example of a film where the music's driving it um did the music come and, first did you choose the track before making yeah, it? no well, yeah when we were working on it um the music was, uh, you know, I was kind of, th- I mean, the brief was kind of delving into, into the area anyway, but I was always remembered Andy Williams as a kid. Mm. Um, cause my uncle and aunt, my great uncle and aunt, they used to, uh, listen to Andy Williams, you know, when at Christmas time I'd, I'd go over there to their house and they'd, um, be playing Andy Williams. And it kind of had a real strong pull for me cause it made me feel, you know, like nostalgic and it made me feel, and I loved, I, I just felt that his, his, that music on that was, you know, the strings are really, really, you know, soaring. They're really pulling you in. They're, they're amazing. And um, it's got that, his, his voice is like velvet and it just kind of flows on top of it. Mm. And, but it's, it's relentless. It's just driving forward. It's driving forward, you know, and then you get that kind of crescendo at the end. And it just felt like a, a really good fit, you know, for this. So, so we kind of started with the music. We, we, we sort of did a, a great edit. I remember we, uh, Chris Groom was the guy I was working with, um, you know, with, with Tony and Kim and everybody. We, we, we created this um, really great um, edit. Um, and I remember Ivan Zacharias, who directed it, you know, his, his producer, Nick Landon, said, that's not an edit, that's a shot list, you know, because it was kind of like, it was that good. And we had the music on there and we had, we had all the shots kind of worked out and we'd, we'd been using, you know, all sort, anything we could find really, you know, shots from James Bond and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, but you just had this feeling of this really um, beautiful piece coming together. And I remember we, there was a point where we couldn't really edit the, you know, we're thinking this is a music track that you can't edit because there's no edit points. It's not like you've got a beat, you can edit on it, you know, yes. but we found a great edit because, you know, we found the place where you could do it and it, and it, and it worked. Um, you know, just at that point where he goes off, off the ravine, off the um, waterfall. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like this really, um, yeah, driving, you know, emotion, but, you know, right from the heart of the, of, the, um, of what Honda did. It was quite funny, actually, because at the time, you know, people were criticizing Honda. Yeah, yeah, you can write ads with, without cars in. Yeah, yeah, easy stuff, you know, easy. 
that ain't easy actually but you know the, you know that's the, that was being thrown around so we kind of thought well let's do a let's do a, an ad that has 13 ad uh, 13 cars and bikes in it you know yeah yeah to prove everything we're wrong you know and uh and that kind of that was uh was it really you know to show that they you know from the tiniest tiniest product to the most amazing uh you know motor racing car or whatever yeah um they're all following dreams you know they're all they're all trying to well they all have their own little dream if you like every little kind of bit of engineering in those products somebody's dream has been to make that you know to make that tiny little monkey bike at the beginning perfect yeah yeah i was uh, re- as we were watching that i was really connecting it with uh, I, I refer I refer a lot to Mad Men because of the the, the story of Don Draper. He's always running away, running uh, from something towards something. Uh, this really looked like one of those kind of one of those stories, and maybe that's the way you connect with the audience with this one. I'm pointing because that's where my screen is, and <laughs> it's flanking you. Um, it's it it's ambition in this film, and it's grand, and it's. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what it's trying to speak to in the audience. Um, you know, and who you're selling to with this one. Is it? Is it? Remember what it was like to be ambitious. Is it trying to bring that call to adventure back and in, into people connected with the power of dreams? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I think we. You know, we're talking about the, the. You know, the dream of each vehicle and the dream. You know, the dream of this guy. You know, to to hit the. You know, get into the sky. Um, and you know, it's just kind of. Uh, simple story really yeah yeah i think people um it was really popular and i think you know they ran it again even you know um over many years and i think you know it ran across the world in some parts as well um and so you know it it really resonated with people you know yeah what were the um images from pop culture you were trying to refer to you mentioned james bond i'm also seeing a bit of steve mcqueen great escape yeah, yeah, there's uh, like Steve McQueen. Um, I think there was a bit of Steve McQueen. Uh, you know the Thomas Crown Affair? Yes. I think there was a bit with the buggy, you know, the... Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, had a 60s feel, really. I yes. mean, all those great, great movies uh, were from the 60s. And, you know, that, that, um, that time was, was, was special for, in filmmaking, you know. There's kind of an innocence to it. And I think we were trying to capture that in, the, in, our, in our film as well, you know. You know yeah. As, as it went along you know and it does look like one of those kind of films and definitely with the music pairing that that does come across and then from a more cynical perspective i don't shouldn't use the word cynical but you know if i'm the brand i'm trying to sell more cars and yeah. it look it looks like am i trying to appeal to the kind of people for whom this will be nostalgic because they've now got enough money to buy a buy a honda i don't know actually i mean it wasn't kind of at the time i mean i remember we were listening to a lot of thing called a thing called guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that. I, I think it's a, a friend of mine's uh, knows the DJ used to do it, and it was kind of all the things you weren't meant to like, uh, you know, types of music you weren't meant to like, um, you know, like Edmundo Ross or, you know, um, I don't know, Mr. Bojangles. You know, those kind of tracks. You know, like, brilliant. And uh, and you know, I think. I think people love that stuff, you know, whatever age they are, you know, mm. um, it's got that kind of timelessness and, uh, you know, but people don't admit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, we will, uh, we'll cut forward to a, I think it's quite a similar campaign or similar film in its composition, but up, you know, 
what, 12 years later, updated. We're going to move on to uh, Gif Gaff, um, yeah. the big swim. And this was with Who, What, Why, wasn't it? This was when you'd yeah. done it under your own steam. Absolutely. So let's take a look. How did that one uh, come about? Did they seek you out because they'd seen the impossible dream and that kind of work? Um, it was a weird one, actually. I think Ben was in Wave. Um, he knew, we all know the client. We knew um, Tracy Stokes. She wasn't a client, but she's, she was a kind of producer on it. And she was with the client who we hadn't met, Abby and uh, Tom. And uh, she just started chatting and said, oh, we need to do, <laughs> we need to do a film. <laughs> ah, yeah. Fantastic luck. Um, and we, we just we just got together and uh, we pitched some ideas and you know this one won through. Um, you know it just felt like it was you know this whole thing about um, free to stay, free to go. You know it's a really interesting bit of rule breaking. You know which is basically um, no company ever talks about leaving. You know everyone everyone no you know it's quite a brave thing for a client to talk about. So we thought, why don't we celebrate leaving in the most epic way you possibly can? So, it's so an that's where it's idea that actually, yeah, because I've got this. Rory Sutherland spoke about when we were talking. He was talking about controversial subject, but the European Union thing. And I think he suggested that people might have felt better about it if they felt like it was easier to leave. Ironically, they might not want to if they felt like they could when they wanted to. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like bringing this idea of uh, customers. Just on that. Just on that. Um, the word stay is so much more powerful than remain. Like wow. stay with me, you know, like stay is an emotional thing. This is where they went wrong. You know, um, it's so annoying, isn't it? Yeah. In my, um, stay, stay, stay is a kind of emotional thing. Like you'd say, oh, please stay, you know, you're saying that to someone because you love them. You wouldn't say right? please remain. <laughs> please remain. You know, it's just nonsense. So it's kind of where, where governments and, people get it wrong they need to talk to the right people really you know because um you know again it's it's human emotion it's trying to you know what what makes you feel something you know and the word stay does that that's amazing have you seen the film interstellar yes of course yeah. and that's a huge emotional single word that they use you know he taps it out in morse code um to his daughter and i'd never noticed that until until you just pointed yeah. it out yeah so it's like the uh, um, the leave the leave campaign they got that 
simplicity and emotionality. Yeah, they got it right. I mean, they, they did. Um, you know, the word leave is a, you know, whether we like it or not, it's an emotion, isn't it? Um, and, uh, you know, you'd say it to somebody. <laughs> it's not nice, but, you know, they, they got it right. And, uh, yeah, the, the thing was is that, um, you know, you, you, you had to be firing on all cylinders to get the, uh, the Remain campaign to work. And, and, and they um, weren't. And they weren't. And they weren't. They literally weren't. They weren't doing much at all, to be honest. It'd be like if instead of calling it the Leave campaign, they called it the, oh, sorry, uh, the, uh, the Withdraw campaign. Yeah. Or the Extract campaign. <laughs> yeah yeah so exactly, yeah. yeah and so that's an excellent point that uh you brought into this campaign with gift gaff a very as you say a bold move from the client suggested to their customers that they didn't have to be their customers yeah was that effective hugely i mean it was i mean you know basically that you know they're, they're a small um mobile mobile network you know they're up against vodafone um, you know, O2 and all these huge guys out there and they outspend them six to one, you know, so they needed a big statement film, uh, which, you know, it wasn't just a film, it was all the other stuff as well, you know, but that's the thing you've just shown. So the mm -hmm. big statement, um, and they wanted, you know, something that was going to put them on the map, if you like. And I, th I think that's, that was the task. And you know, it's tough, you know, it's tough when you're a small brand like that, you know, to, to, to fight against people who are outspending you by so much money. Mm -hmm. But what we were delighted about was that we, it, you know, there was a 2017 um, top 10 of, of YouTube and we were in at number four, you know, across the whole year. And, you know, for, as I say, for a little known kind of mobile phone network, you know, we, it, number one was kind of, I think, a thing from Google themselves, you know, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, number two was um, one of the, you know, always excellent um, John Lewis films. Yeah. And number three was the Paddington Bear Christmas ad. Mm. And we were in at number four, God forbid, you know, like, um, you know, so that's a pretty, we were delighted with that, you know, and the client was as well. Yeah, to be next to, uh, Ad straight away next to Adam and Eve. And yeah. um, who made the Paddington Bear? Uh, we should know. <laughs> Rainy Kelly, I don't know. <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one of the big ones to have this relatively new startup just jump up the league tables is yeah. obviously it's not it's not unheard of, but it's a great result. And um, regards to the music, uh, same question as before with um, Impossible Dream. Was it chosen before and then worked around, or you know? I think had a, another track which I, I keep racking my brains. I can't remember. It was a French. There was a French licensing thing, and we couldn't get it. And then um, before we shot, I think um, Matt Gooden, you know, uh, my one of my creative founders, um, yeah, he loves music. He's really into music. You, you know, Matt, he's got long yeah. hair and he's, he's into all sorts of ACDC and, you know. Stones. Looks like he's in the Rolling Stones. He does, yeah. He look, I mean, he actually has the, the joy of being people thinking he's a rock star. Yes. And getting free champagne and, uh, you know. <laughs> And it, it, it's quite good to hang out with him sometimes, you know, because people think you're with a rock star. So <laughs> he hates that term, by the way. But, um, right. I presume, he, I presume he also uh, hates the term rock star creative. He absolutely hates the term. He said the only rock stars are rock stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, he hates that term. Um, but yeah, no, Matt found the, the track, um, uh, you know, by uh, um, the Walker Brothers, mm -hmm. Scott Walker. And... Uh, it just felt right. You know, it was a really um, emotional 
again, it had that soaring thing going on and it was a beautiful, you know, emotional journey, I think, within the music. So, you know, to get the sort of visuals and music to marry up, it's important to have the music first, I think, because cutting afterwards is um, impossible, you know, because nothing's been timed to that, you know, if you know what I mean, the, the flow of it is wrong. And Yes. So, um, I mean, you know, great, great tracks have been placed at the end of stuff afterwards and, 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 and on great pieces of, 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 you know, like some Levi's ads, you know. Yeah. Um, you hear stories about that, you know, like um, the swimmer came late apparently. And when they put the track on there, it was like kaboom, you know, yeah, it worked. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, we almost had one of uh, those stories with Watcar, didn't we? Because we tried to sync uh, Gdansk, our, our uh, you know, diesel, <laughs> diesel-powered electro track to this really mild-mannered, uh, beautiful yeah, well, car. It, yeah, it, that was, uh, it's funny that because, uh, yeah, when mu- music is a funny thing, because when it comes, it's fantastic. But if it doesn't come, <laughs> it doesn't kind of uh, help you at all, you know, because you're, you're sort of, you know... Um, searching for the right one but but it's it's really important to, to find it i think we did you know we, we found something good in the end but like it's 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 kind of um it can be like look listening to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things you know thousands of things yeah. or it can be that's it no it's got to be this and nothing else you know yes in fact yeah we had one of those recently we tried to put forward a anna of the north dream girl uh for a campaign for a fashion brand um and the uh the complaint was it's not really it's not going it's not jumping out of the screen it's not really loud and aggressive um but then it got synced for the latest ipad advert and got straight to like 21 million views so wow yeah That's brilliant so um <laughs> but there must be loads of those like every music soup in london and you know across the whole business will will they'll always have those moments where they almost broke an unknown track and then you know it, it, probably, it probably happens a lot um, but uh, interestingly, on you know, you said before this is a film, but there's loads of other elements to the campaign. Well, let's look at some out of home because obviously, who, what, why did the uh, amazing Spotify yes. listen to listen like you used to uh, yeah. campaign? So first of all, let's talk about Spotify as a client. How did you get them on board? How did you you know how did you sell the idea across? Uh, I think um, I think they came to us. Um, they liked what we were doing. Um, yeah, there's a connection there. We, we kind of knew someone and, and they, you know, that they, they work with people that they know and like, and, um, we, we felt an instant, you know, bond with them. Um, and you know, they gave us this, this brief that we, we've been working on a few other briefs with them and, and they gave us this brief and like, you know, any other, you know, we just set to work, um, Ali Dickinson and, and Jack Walker, the creative team, um, who, you know, just work, you just have to work so hard, you know, to, crack i think we had a th- two or three campaigns three three campaigns that we presented and, and obviously this one really really stood out you know yeah. it was the it was the one that um felt like it was really gonna resonate and and and, and move people so what were the, the other ideas on the table oh i can't remember i mean there were um other so we were all, i thought they were all really good by the yes. way yeah um but you know this this one was special um, should we, uh, I'm going to, we'll do a bit of screen sharing here. Um, and, uh, we'll just sort of, t- uh, take them, uh, take them one at a time. Um, the, the, the copy ideas. So, uh, I really like this one. Uh, obviously I like all of them, but uh, one thing I noticed about the campaign, uh, as such is it, 
pulls on the heart it pulls on the heartstrings in an unusual way because it brings it brings the tragedy of aging into the idea <laughs> you know you yeah. were t- 20 the clash great times now you're 60 and you're on the board and you never thought you'd be this boring <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's got that i mean i think that you know it's that tension that i was talking about that kind of bitter sweetness you know that you get you know like um uh, love and love and hate and uh, you know and uh, all of that so i think i think um what yeah i mean you know the clash. She Mac 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 got it signed actually um, at one point with, with um, uh, Joe Strummer. I think is he the one who's still alive? <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, I hope so. Um, uh, yeah, no, it, it was uh, yeah, it was it was basically you know yeah, I agree with that. You know, you, you're sort of you're you're, you're basically um, saying you know there was an interesting fact actually that that gift that um, Spotify gave to us which at the beginning was that music set in your youth yes and it's you know like you, you know you can't leave that you know like you can listen to i mean i'm, I'm listening to some british hip-hop and stuff new stuff and all that things but actually the stuff that's really set is the stuff you know from from my youth you know and and it kind of just makes you feel something and again you know like by putting tracks up there you know like ub40 or the clash or the spice girls or whatever else we did all those things it kind of taps into something in the back of your mind and, it, and it's really magical yeah and uh you know people loved it you know it, it kind of made them feel something again you know and, and uh it had this sort of a lovely emotional feeling to it yes uh again it had that thing that we've been that we've been discussing that you know you even if even if your attention has been grabbed or commanded you can appreciate it if it's if it's well a great idea a great piece of let's say art for risk of sounding a little bit pretentious but if it actually stirs some emotion and makes you think you can have that even if you weren't if you even if you aren't interested in signing up and subscribing to spotify it does it does bring about those real emotions and this one that i'm gonna um share with you now i really like because the idea here is uh, the more things change the more they stay the same and history repeats itself yeah and you know I mean, obviously, 2019, they, they were on tour again, and, and it kind of, you know, nothing changes, really. I mean, yeah. that's, that, is, that is true. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, everyone's mining the old stuff as well. You know, the musicians are all mining back there. You know, we all know, you know, you hear some great tracks, but where was it born from, you know? Yes, yes. In fact, that was uh, Gary and I were uh, pontificating on the new album by the 1975 the other day because it's... Um, What's that detestable word that everyone uses when they mean variety? They say smorgasbord, don't they? It's a smorgasbord yeah. of loads of different genres. None of them exactly original, but you can hear where they've all come from. So the, the big single is, if you're too shy, let me know. Sounds just like Aztec Camera in the 80s. And, uh, you know, there's loads of stuff that sounds like Fortet or Bonobo. But, um, yeah, like you say, you listen to it, and most things you listen to, you can trace its family history. You know where it came from. Yeah. Which is what this, this campaign brings I about. Think, uh, Mick Jones was a guy, wasn't he? He's, I think Joe Strummer's dead. <laughs> so let's, yeah, get that on the record. Um, to, uh, with this campaign, to what degree was it a collaboration with, um, with Spotify? How hands-on are they as a client? I mean, they, you know, they're, they're great. I mean, they're, we, we collaborate with them really closely and um, they're, they're really, uh, you know, I mean, to, to get the... Um, you know, to get all those approvals from all those different um, bands and, and, and artists, etc., 
you know, from the record labels. It's just like phenomenal, really. You know, the, yeah. the work that went into that. And, you know, they were, they were, they're terrific, you know, in that sense, you know. And no kind of said, oh, God, that's going to be a hard one. It's just get on with it and, and, and try and find the, um, try and find, you know, try, try and get these things through, which they did. So they had and, to go uh, to the, know, uh, the artist in question and clear the, the bits. Oh, yeah, you, you know, artist in question and, and um, you know, titles, etc. Yeah. Um, so all that had, had to be approved. And, and, you know, it's a big old journey, but, you know, really, really worth it. So, yeah, no, it's a great collaboration with them. Brilliant stuff. Um, so, um, oh yeah, the other thing I was interested with Spotify was um, whether they, because obviously Spotify collects huge amounts of data about what all the users are listening to. And did any of that factor into the decisions as to what copy to aim at which age group or, or was it all done from within who, what, why? I think there was a bit of that, like suggestions like Spice Girls were important, you know, to, they're really important to people. Yeah. Um, and there was, there was some of that. I mean, some of it was kind of, delving you know you just gotta you've just gotta sit there and write you know Ali and Jack had to sit there and write and write and write and write and write and so you've got to like you know you're digging down finding finding tracks you know finding ways of making you know working the words so that they work and work together and um and that is uh you know real art and skill and and basically what happened was um you know obviously the best ones start to, to sort of float to the top and then they kind of we managed to, you know, and the client was, you know, coming up with other, with with sort of bands that they they you know that that were, that were big then. So yeah, it's it again, it was a collaboration. But you know, again, it's a lot of hard work by everybody, to be honest. And I think that's what it takes, you know, to do things that feel really simple, you know, and and resonate. It takes a lot of lot of struggle, and and you know, making simple isn't easy, you know. No. You make you know if it thinks that oh anyone could write that, but it's it's not easy to be to do something really, really great and um and make it feel so and make it look and feel so simple. Oh yeah, deceptively simple is always the most annoying thing to experience is yeah. because it makes you think, Oh, I could have done that. And you should think, Why didn't I think of that? You know, that's Yeah. Well that's it's easy. I mean lots of you know, we had loads of people on Twitter writing their own, you know, which is a great thing. I mean what's I lo what I loved about it was that it's an out of home campaign that went all over the internet, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, people were writing their own and, and to, for someone to take their time and actually think of their own ones. I think someone had like, um, can't remember the date, but okay. Okay. Computer 1997. Don't That's know what, right. what date it would be. 1997. Okay. Computer 2019. Okay. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Great. great I remember writing. seeing, I remember seeing we, the you wouldn't have been able to run that one by the way. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Google. Probably Google. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember seeing, I saw the, um, uh, cause you collected a bunch of tweets where people got involved and wrote their own copy. Um, oh. and yeah. It said this one made it look easy. Uh, but I presume, uh, did you say it was, uh, Ali and Matt, did you say? Jack. And uh, Jack, sorry. Um, that presumably they must've come up with like hundreds or like just a lot of ideas to, to try. Oh, was, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, um, you know, constant writing and, and, uh, you know, almost getting one through and then as in through the um, record labels and then, then it didn't happen, you know, but I think we were really delighted with the ones that we did, you know, really, we ended up with some great ones and uh, I'm, I'm really proud. We're really proud of that campaign and uh, it's, it's doing really well for us. Um, you know, loads of people love it and, and it's kind of a marker. It's great. Great. So let's very briefly talk about the future um, in, in two ways. I think one, 
uh, creative work in the lockdown era. You know, what's a, what are we, we going to start seeing more of? And uh, what uh, is, what's in the works for who, what, why? Is there anything you're excited about that you can share? So in the works in the lockdown period, um, I mean, we're, we're sort of, you know, we're, we're busy. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of um, hard at it. You know, we've got things to create, you know, for, for, for a number of clients um, and we're going to be working within the under lockdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're finding ways and means of doing it. I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff out there, you know, zoom calls and stuff and it's all fine, you know, as in, but you've got to find new ways as well. Um, you know, so we're, we're finding new ways of creating work under lockdown conditions and you can shoot, you know, you can shoot stuff, you can get green screen. Um, you know, you, you can, you can shoot stuff. It's really interesting actually reading articles about what, you know, people are doing out there, you know, big, big titles are sort of doing in terms of like filmmaking and, and how that, and how you can sort of create great stuff with green screen and all that. And uh, I think, you know, it's just be more creative under, under these rules, you know, it's like, uh, in some ways it's kind of using it to your advantage, you know, find, finding, okay, we can do this. And this is going to be really, really different and interesting to watch. So yeah, it's, it's uh, so there's a lot of that going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to Sally the other day from um, Hogarth Worldwide. She talked uh, at length with us about making the TikTok advert on Zoom. Uh, Did you see that, TBC? Uh, Remind me. No, I don't know if I did, actually. TikTok is uh, the one with a remix of Mr. Sandman. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the first first Zoom production that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So it can all be done. It can absolutely. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, you can you can sort of dial in if you like. You know, you don't have to all be there. You know, yeah. and you can uh, zone zone everything. Uh, you know, make sure people don't you know get too close. Yeah. Um, keep it under safe lockdown conditions. And um, of course, you know, there's a lot of other stuff to do as well. You know, in terms of CGI and all sorts of other things. You know, wonderful things that you can use. You know, where people can actually work at home now. You know, on the you know the computers of now. So so small that, you know, you can have it all set up at home and you can, you know, I mean, a few years ago, none of this could have happened. Um, no. As in, you know, we wouldn't be talking on the, on a Zoom call um, and, you know, you wouldn't be able to create not nearly the sort of things we can now. So, yeah. Right. It's exciting times. Well, um, I think that's a, a good place to jump off. So um, I'll say uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It was uh, fun and, um, yeah. Hopefully you, there's a few things in there. I don't know if I left any pearls of wisdom or not, but um, hopefully one or two. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna send this to all the young creatives who uh, want to mine you for all the ideas and then take your job. But uh... well, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, please do. <laughs> <laughs>